Welcome to Track 2, a seasonal podcast exploring the stories and people who create conditions for a thriving, vibrant society. I'm Sarah Gerber. And I'm Joanne Kowo, and we are your hosts. In our second season of the podcast, we turn to philanthropy, an endeavor aimed at benefiting the greater good. Philanthropy has been used to alleviate human suffering, to create change and advance social progress, and to solve big pressing problems. In each episode, we explore different perspectives and dimensions of philanthropy through the voices of people striving to live a life to the fullest in service to humanity while maximizing personal potential to create art, make change, and design solutions to problems of every magnitude. Along the way, we discovered inspired and imaginative conversations about values, motivations, experiences, and the forces that propel people to take action and shape beliefs about the good in humanity and how we navigate choices over a lifetime. We find ourselves in a period of exceptional turbulence and uncertainty. The challenges facing all areas of society make it difficult to make informed decisions and navigate the options in a rapidly changing landscape. We hope this series of interviews can illuminate ways to address the challenges we currently face while preparing a more desirable future for all. All right. I say we fire it up and make the magic happen. We are actually recording now. Fantastic. I'll get my little zone here. Ready? Yes. Here we go. We heard from an activist and economist who advocates for a reimagined capitalism that places societal well-being at its center and allows everyone to meaningfully participate in our economy, democracy, and societies, no matter which region of the world you live in. Philanthropy is a term that we've kind of ascribed to a particular type of giving, which is when one accumulates a significant amount of capital through the market, through capitalism, where ultimately what happens is capital seems to accumulate in the capital market in a way that doesn't necessarily share value as fairly as it should. And ultimately, if we want to build a good society, what we, what we want to do is find a way for resources to flow to where they're most needed. An experienced cash transfer policy advisor who advocates that philanthropists should be bold in their efforts to create thriving communities. I think if philanthropy really wants to be bold and move into a new normal, then it needs to start thinking critically about what a thriving community looks like and how they can contribute to that, whether it's building systems or helping to bring people to the table. We heard from a lawyer about the role of higher purpose and satisfaction he gets from designing legal solutions to complex and challenging systems. We invest in people because we believe that they're the people who can use the money to do something that we would not otherwise be able to do. We're not telling them what to do. We're saying we believe in you as a person. I'm not treating you as a subcontractor for my vision of how to change the world. Mm -hmm. I have you as somebody with a vision of how to change the world, and you could execute on the plan you already had. Not that I'm smarter than you. You're smarter than me. I just happen to have money. That was the thinking. And how one social innovation nonprofit finds emerging social entrepreneurs and invests deeply in the growth of their ideas and leadership. And mm. this is where we took our data over the last 10, 15 years and looked at the numbers, looked at the qualitative data that we had and said, where is there the most need? And we recognize that social justice and racial justice leaders are just not getting the support that they need to continue their work. 
and a visionary creative leader who challenges the status quo and has found a way to build the necessary relationships to sustain his initiatives. And just for full transparency, I think I've been a recipient, regardless of where I've worked the last 16 years of Ford funding every year. Mm. I'm currently Ford funded. Different fo- program officers each time. In fact, Darren Walker was my program officer right before I became president of the foundation. He was my program officer. We heard about how a person's choice to transform their weakness into a strength, combined with the knowledge of their lived experience, can be part of a healing solution to urban gun violence. It was clear that if you're not at the table, then who's going to authentically represent you? Who's going to authentically represent your community? What I've come to learn about a lot of these strategies is there's so much you can learn from books and numbers, but you can't learn it unless you know and you have people who are in the experience, who are with Mm -hmm. the people who are going through the struggles. The information I can bring and the way I can work, they can't replace that because there's an insight and there's an innate intelligence that I have just from living this experience and being really connected with people. And an American writer and executive director of the world's largest fiction writing event, inspiring writers to craft stories that spark curiosity and wonder while shaping narratives that change the world. The primary way we make meaning in the world is through the stories we tell ourselves. We are just storytelling creatures. We wake up and we start telling a story. It might be inaccurate. We might have misperceptions. We might have projections of be overly optimistic or overly negative. But whatever it is, we live in a story. And that story can be shaped in different directions. And part of your consciousness of the story that you live within is like writing the story on the page and experiencing your imagination. We heard from an expert in youth empowerment about how he cultivates community, applies the things he's learned about trust, compassion, and pursuing higher goals while creating opportunities to engage young people's hearts and minds as they search for their identity and navigate creating a meaningful life of purpose. While I was studying at Sonoma State, I had a professor talk to me about social capital and and how that changes things. That kind of hit me. I'm like, that's what my job is. This is our role in philanthropy in our community is we're creating pathways for these young people, whether it's through a relationship, conversation, breaking any kind of generational barriers or anything else that they're facing. This is my role in giving back to our community and the people. We heard from a global humanitarian leader about her drive and passion for serving the youngest members of humanity. When you listen and focus on the child, and then engaging again at the very local level about what are ways that we can support children where they are and make sure that they feel that their voices are heard. It shifted our focus on making sure that we're lifting that voice more so maybe than we have even done in the past. And one public policy leader shares the power of perspective and connecting with the individual's story. I do everything as if I were that person. So if I am an immigrant crossing the border and my child is in a cage, I would want someone to be fighting like hell to help us. And so in everything I do, I put myself in the, what I want you to do for me, what I want you to write the policy, what I want you to come to my home, what would I want you to do for me if I was you? We learned about how people recognize their desire to help early in life and how citizen philanthropy is open to everyone. 
I became very passionate about giving and philanthropy at a young age. And so I used to get an allowance every week from my parents. It was a few dollars, I don't even remember. And I would save it up. And then I would put little stacks of dollar bills on my mom's desk with a sticky note saying, mom, please write a check in the amount of $11 to Greenpeace or to Amnesty International. And, and she would send checks for me. And that's how I wanted to spend my allowance. I felt like it was really important. And how at the end of the day, it all comes back to love. Let, let's just be clear. I think our job is to love everyone. And I, I really think that's a hard ask to make. But I feel like if you don't start with love, you won't get to, if you start with like empathy, you'll get to understanding. If you start with understanding, you'll get to blank. You know, it's like, so you kind of have to do that. Track two is for curious people interested in the conditions of a healthy, thriving society who want to build a better future together. Listeners can expect empowering stories across the series highlighting values, systems, and skills as a common foundation for a vibrant, healthy society. Tune in to hear inspiring conversations, personal profiles, and strategies for building an equitable civil society in a digital first age. Subscribe for regularly released episodes with each season. Find the show on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast platform. Ta-da! I think we got it.